Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber Internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And the Herald Times, featuring coverage of local news, entertainment, and sports. In print at heraldtimesonline.com and on your mobile device. And the Bloomington Health Foundation, this September hosting the 20th running of Hoosiers Outrun Cancer, a 5K run-slash-walk supporting those in the community facing a cancer diagnosis. Registration and more at HoosiersOutRunCancer.org. From the Milton Metz studio in the radio TV building at Indiana University, welcome to Noon Edition. I'm your host, Bob Zaltzberg from WFIU-WTIU News. Today we're going to talk about whether the U.S. is on the verge of a recession. As the trade war continues with China and some indicators appeared in the market in the market this month, uh, some people wonder if a recession is inevitable. But consumer spending is still up and unemployment rates are at a 50-year low. So how concerned should Hoosiers be, and what can you do about it? We have four guests with us today. Uh, the first I'll introduce is Mike Hicks. He's joining us by phone from Muncie. He's a professor of economics and business research director at Ball State University. And I have, uh, I'm joined by three guests here in the studio. Bill Witte, professor emeritus in Indiana University's Department of Economics. He produces forecasts for the Indiana and the U.S. economies. Doug Ummel is a financial advisor for Wellington Investment Advisors. He's a certified financial planner, and he's already helped clients navigate the 2000 and 2008 financial downturns. And Ron Breimeyer is also with us. He's executive director of the Indiana Manufactured Housing Association. And more importantly for today's conversation, the Indiana Recreational Vehicle Indiana Council. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. You can also join us on the air by calling in at 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. So thank you all for being here. I'm going to turn to Bill Whitty first. He's a forecaster. So, um, you know, what, what, do you, what do you see? you see a recession ahead? Well, my model does not see a recession, um, but models like mine are typically very bad at predicting turning points, so that's not a very telling indicator. Mm -hmm. um, personally, I, I don't see enough bad things going on in the economy to warrant a prediction of a recession, my model aside. Um, <coughs> recessions in my opinion, occur when the economy develops some kind of an excess or an unsustainable situation that needs to be corrected. Um, historically, we've had two or three different kinds of, of unsustainable situations that develop. The most common one is when the economy overheats and inflation develops, and that's corrected usually by the Federal Reserve reacting in horror by raising interest rates, and they raise them too high, and, and the economy goes... Uh, south for a while. Um, other types of uh, recession causes, uh, for example, in two thousand, in the late two, in the early two thousands, the two thousand one recession was really the result of of a an excessive boom in the dot com industry that had to be corrected. And of course, the most recent one was the result of a an extreme boom in the housing industry that got out of hand. In both of those cases, there was a financial overhanging that that uh, enhanced the recessionary pressure. Um, but right now, I don't see any real excesses. Um, we certainly don't have inflation at, at excessive levels and no signs that, it, that I can see that we will, in the near-term future at least. Um, there aren't any real sectoral imbalances. Um, there are a few sectors that are weak, but weakness is not going to cause recession. It's when things get out of hand on the upside that you then correct in the other direction. Um, you can say that the stock market seems high, um, but I don't think that by itself a stock market correction, unless it's really extreme, and I don't see that coming, will cause a recession. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of problems. Um, policy, for example, 
is is terrible, and, and we can well, go into yeah, that later. Yeah, well, that's we'll we'll get to that in a minute. I want to to turn to Mike Hicks, professor of economics and business research director at Ball State. So, Mike, do you agree with Bill Whitty, or do you have a different view? No, I think uh, in substance we agree. I also run macroeconometric models, and we're seeing. I updated them earlier this week, and we're still seeing growth in the. Uh, you know, one three-quarter percent range at the end of the year. So uh, sort of significant slowing like we saw through the first half of 2018, which we predicted um, in our model predicted the slowing, but in these models are astonishingly bad at turning points. And you, you know that because uh, Bill and I aren't uh, multi-billionaires. If we could predict that sort of uh, upturn and downturn, we, we would be doing something different. Um, I do think that there are uh, substantial frictions in the economy. I mean, there are certainly theoretical explanations for a business cycle that include the sort of substantive frictions that we see with supply chains being adjusted. I also think there are indicators that are worse. Um, we'll talk about RV sales. I um, mean, they're down. There was a projection by RVIA this morning of you know, a big cuts this year and now uh, downgrading projections for next year. We've never had, you know, two back-to-back years of declines without a business cycle in that industry, at least in the last 40 years. Um, and the, the yield curve is fully inverted, although there are some uh, monetary reasons that that might not be as big an indicator as in the past. But, you know, here in Indiana, manufacturing employment peaked in January and has been on a steady decline ever since. Overall employment peaked in March and has been overall steady decline ever since. Manufacturing is down in Michigan, Wisconsin, and the places you would expect at first if this was a tariff-driven uh, tax uh, or uh, supply chain-driven uh, uh, frictions driving us into a business cycle. But it, it's too early, I think, for any economist to say this is a – that we're – we're in a recession, uh, but, uh, you know, things can change fairly quickly um, by uh, tweet or, or crook. And so I, I don't know uh, what the next six months might bring. I think there's reason to be concerned. So I want to bring in Ron Breimeyer. He's, uh, so you're very involved with the RV industry, and, and Mike mentioned the RV industry is showing some signs of weakness right now. What's your take on this? Yes. Um, in fact, I've, I've read uh, Dr. Hicks's uh, summary in, uh, in the news lately. Um, while sales are down, I think this is a, this is a different situation. Uh, Dr. Hicks is absolutely correct in that historically – the RV industry is one of the first indicators of, of a decline and one of the first indicators of a recovery. Um, and that has remained consistent. The different tea leaves that we're reading today, uh, I think you have to take a look at what is behind the actual numbers. Um, for example, we had just record growth going on in that industry year after year after year since uh, 2008, since the last recession. And in particular, the last three to four years, I mean, we were making more RVs than in history. Uh, and Indiana, for, for those who may not know this, we make approximately 83% of all the recreational vehicles in North America. Uh, so, you know, it's an industry that's important to our state uh, as well as to our national economy. Um, but I think the factor there that, that really has happened is that we were growing so fast and demand for our product was so great that our, our retailers couldn't keep up with, with the sales and our manufacturers couldn't produce enough vehicles to satisfy the retailers and the consumers. So we had situations where the consumer would have to wait three or four months before they could take delivery on a brand new recreational vehicle. So manufacturers really ramped up production and the retailers who had had few units on their lots really stacked up the number of units that they had available. So though the two kind of collided, you know, as as things start to cool down, we're really working through as kind of like a bubble, kind of work through the existing inventory that we have on our retail centers, and then I think things will will level out. Mm-hmm. What's going on with employment? In the in the RV industry, uh, employment still, you know, it's we still use employees. Um, they're not. Uh, two years ago, three years ago, uh, you, you couldn't find as as many people as you actually needed. Um, and there's a lot of turnover in that industry because it's a really hard job working in those factories. Um, so we can always use new employees. Some manufacturers have gone to reduced hours. I know of no companies that are uh, planning to close plants or lay off uh, employees. Okay. 
So, Doug Amal, you're a financial advisor, uh, and I know that talk of a recession must make some of your clients nervous. So, you know, what what are you what are you hearing, and what are you seeing, and what are you telling the people that you're working with? Yeah, I mean, the big flashing red light right now in the financial services industry is the inversion of the yield curve. Um, and for our listeners that may not know what that is. Um, one of the main economic indicators that that has been reasonably good in predicting recessions on a, in, a, in the past is when you look at the yield on the two-year versus the 10-year U.S. Treasury note. Um, the yield is simply, again, for our listeners, the amount of, of return, the amount of money you get paid over that period of time to hold a 10-year versus a two-year government bond. So – you would think, and the way the way the um, market typically works is that if someone is holding your money longer, you have to get a better return for that. Uh, and so the 10-year note is typically will pay a higher rate than the two-year note. What we've seen in the last four days, really, is that yield curve is what's called inverted, which means right now you get paid more to hold a two-year note than you do a 10-year note. So the reasons for that, the reasons that would cause that are, I mean, there's a lot of them. Uh, but one of the main reasons is that people don't are not forecasting really good long-term growth uh, in the economy as as they usually do. Mm-hmm. Now that when that yield curve inverts, that has been a good predictor of recessions. I think all of the past seven recessions we've had in the U.S. have been preceded by an inversion of the yield curve. Mm-hmm. Um, now that doesn't mean that a recession is coming for sure. Um, you know, as as we joke in our industry, um, economists have correctly predicted 15 out of the past four recessions. Um, so you, there are always reasons to be nervous and to be um, worried. And yet that is kind of the flashing red light. And that's why we're having this conversation today. Mm-hmm. So when in 2000 and 2008, and I, you know, I don't, don't want to give you, you to give me all your secrets, mm-hmm. but, you know, how do you help people navigate through? What do you what do you usually is there some big lesson that you give them or one big tip that you always give people when well, recession is usually you, one? When you when you look at any time you're dealing with your personal finances, um, and investments particularly, I always caution people against emotion. Um, The market operates on two basic emotions, greed and fear, and both of them are your enemy. Um, You know, as Dr. Woody referenced before, uh, the the two previous recessions were really brought about by a significant excess, Um, one in, you know, financial services and uh, stockmarket.com bubble, the other in real estate. Um, And I I think back and ask people to think back, how many people did you know that quit their jobs to go sell real estate between 2005, 6, 7, you know, leading up to that recession? Um, you know, that, that is a good characteristic of, of irrational exuberance, um, mm-hmm. you know, as, as has been said in the past. Um, but there are the, – the basic thing that you want to do when it comes to personal stuff is just the stuff you do all the time. Be responsible. Be conservative. Pay off debt. Don't borrow a ton of money um, and then make sure that particularly when you have have warning lights flashing, be sure that your risk profile, uh, the way you're investing is actually the way you want to be investing. And it's not that you haven't looked at it in three years and it's gotten out of whack because the market's done well. Mm -hmm. Um, So you want to just reevaluate your goals, objectives and be conservative, have emergency funds, um, you know, build up just a a what-if scenario. Mm-hmm. Our numbers again are 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. You can send questions to the show to news at indianapublicmedia.org. We're talking about uh, whether there's a recession in our future. I think the, our our panelists have basically said they don't really see one yet, but there's been a lot of conversation, and I know uh, Dr. Bill Whitty was talking before about uh, policies that may be creating some issues for the economy. So you want to just expand on that? Well, the most obvious thing is the president's tweets related to trade policy and, and his actions related to tariffs, um, which are, as, as um, 
we heard earlier, there are taxes, and taxes have a negative effect on the economy. And the latest round will have a much bigger effect, I think, because they're going to start to hit consumer goods. Most of the ones so far have been on more industrial-type stuff. Um, but they also inter- interfere with the, the supply chains. Um, and uh, business these days is global, 100%. You know, things like well, even RVs, you know, what they're doing in, in in Indiana is assembling the final product. But the parts for that come from all over the world. Correct. And and many of the, the fundamental parts, I would be willing to bet, start in the U.S. for some parts, and then they move across the border to Mexico and then back and forth and things like that. And those things are being disrupted. And the result in, in the economy is that businesses are faced with a lot of uncertainty. Nobody knows how this trade thing is going to unfold. It's, so far, it's been, you know, every day there's a new tweet and, and a new direction, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what, what business do, what everyone does when they face uncertainty is they tend to pull back. So business investment has been very weak over the last couple of quarters. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of growing 3 or 4 or 5% like we'd expect, it's basically been flat. Um, and that's not good. Uh, that that alone may not be enough to push the economy into recession. I don't think it will. But um, it does have other negative effects. Business investment is a basic source of productivity increase. Productivity increase leads to higher incomes, people's incomes rising. And we should be seeing that, but we're not seeing it to the extent that we should. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that's keeping the economy afloat, the, the single thing that's most important, and you mentioned this earlier, is that consumers are spending. Um, now, we heard in the RV industry that maybe a little bit of weakness, but not a lot. didn't sound like to me. Um, consumption is 60 to 70 percent of the economy. So if the consumer continues to hold up, consumption continues to hold up, we're not going to have a recession. The question is... Will it? And, of course, if, if other things weaken, if consumers start to worry about their jobs right now, there should be no reason to worry. You know, the unemployment is very low. Um, in most, most cases, everyone that I talk to that's out in the economy, one of the big problems they face is finding workers, not worrying about laying them off. Mm-hmm. So uh, you've, got, you've got problems uh, that the trade thing is is worrisome at that the minimum um, uh, monetary policy is another area for concern um, i don 't think the Federal Reserve really knows what it 's doing right now, um, and that reflects the fact that uh, there are a lot of things going on in the economy that we don 't really understand the economists don 't want to get back to that in uh, just a minute about monetary policy but I'll, I want to uh, go to the phones first because I think uh, our phone caller may have a very basic question that that, uh, we need to answer. So, Rich, go right ahead. Hi. I'm wondering if some of the panelists might give us a working definition of what a recession is, maybe a technical definition. And then also I'm curious to know if you think that we can know whether or not we're in a recession or is that something that you only see in a rearview mirror? I'm going to ask uh, Mike Hicks to talk about that. Sure. Well, the official series of the recession is uh, called by a group called the Business Cycle Dating Committee of the National Bureau of Economic Research, which is a big, mostly federally funded nonprofit of uh, economists. Um, And what they look at, there's some subjectivity, but they really look at industrial production, uh, consumer spending, real personal income, and retail sales. And so uh, they'll meet usually um, six to ten months after the recession starts and then call it in the rearview mirror. So if you recall, the 2007 to nine recession began in December of 2007, and uh, they actually met in November of the following year. So they were about 11 months late in, in actually calling it. But then everybody knew it because we already had a, a crash and lost a number of jobs. Uh, but, you know, it's important to think that these things happen very differently in different places. So the RV industry uh, actually lagged the last business cycle because it was caused by housing bubbles. So people were still buying those things well after we started to see collapse in the fall of 2007. It wasn't really 2008 and 9 we saw the big drops. 
Um, and we're looking at a 30% drop over two years ago in the RV section. It's not a modest drop by any definition. Um, so it's 17% this year, but down 30% from the peak year of 2017. And that wasn't a big outlier year once you adjust for the size of the U.S. population. So we could be in what would feel and look like a recession in a manufacturing place, just like we were in a housing recession in, in the Inland Empire or the Gulf Coast or New, uh, um, Las Vegas long before the national recession is called. So, you know, when you're six, eight months into lost employment, industrial production is down, and you're seeing declines in, in personal income at the state level, those states will feel it. Some states will feel it first. And it really depends upon the flavor of the business cycle that we have. And so we, we could be in one now. I, I don't believe so, but it'll be months afterwards after it starts before we get the official notice all right yeah with with regard to uh, to the rv industry uh, when a consumer is interested in rv there there are three things that they've been looking for historically that's uh, the cost of fuel we have very low fuel costs today um, they look for is money available for a loan and what are the loan rates money is plentiful the rates are low and I, I think people have a misconception of what the RV industry is. I think everyone thinks that it's a, a big Winnebago that uh, costs $300,000. Actually, motorized recreational vehicles only consist of about 12% of the overall market. The rest are all towable units. They're pop-up campers, they're travel trailers, they're fifth wheels. It makes up 88% of our entire market. And the average cost, if you include the large uh, ticket items versus the the, uh, the pop-up campers, the average price if comes into about $38,000. So it's it's an industry that uh, is affordable, and you, there's something there for everyone. Uh, and that's why we see the industry is changing, because we used to sell to people when they turned 50, and then when they were 55, they got another unit, and when they were 60, we got to sell them their last unit. Today, the millennials, I mean, we've got people that are in their 30s. It's, it's a huge growing market segment for us, not so much the retirees or near retirees. Uh, the younger folks today seem to want to, to have the travel and the experience rather than owning a, a big expensive home. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're going to see the benefit of that. I, I wanted you to address a little bit about what uh, Bill Woody was talking about with the, the global policy and tariffs and their effect on the RV industry. It, it has been a factor. I think one of the one of the scary things for a moment was uh, the threat of um, the tariffs on Mexico. Uh, we were a lot of our supplier base would be encouraged to leave to leave China or other countries and, and go to Mexico and then suddenly out of nowhere hey we're going to we're going to really clamp down uh, on that Mexican uh, uh, tariff. Um, fortunately, that that didn't occur to the extent that, that everyone thought it was going to be. But it does have an impact because of, um, let's take, for example, steel. Our industry has always used American-made steel. But when the tariffs hit the steel industry you know, worldwide, the American prices went up. So that gets passed right on to the manufacturer, to the retailer, and then the consumer. Mm-hmm. All right. We've hit halftime. We're going to have to take a short break now. Uh, We're talking about whether there's a recession in the offering. We're talking about the the economy in general here on Noon Edition today. If you want to join us, you can give us a call right now at 812-855-0811 or toll-free if you're outside of the Bloomington area at 1-877-285-9348. We'll be right back. From the Milton Met studio at IU's Radio TV building, this is Noon Edition on WFIU. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state throughout the day at WFIUNews.org and on Twitter at WFIU News. You can watch unfiltered video of breaking stories on Facebook Live, and you can get a digest of all the day's top stories delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of the headlines, plus the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe now at WFIUNews.org. 
Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg, your host, and uh, we're talking about the economy today and the potential for a recession with uh, four guests. Bill, uh, Mike Hicks is a professor of economics and business research director at Ball State. Bill Witte is a professor emeritus in IU's Department of Economics, and he does a lot of forecasting. Doug Ammel is a financial advisor for Wellington Investment Advisors, and he's been through a couple of recessions already with his clients. And Ron Breimeyer is executive director of the Indiana Manufactured Housing Association, but more pertinent to this this program today, he's with the Indiana Recreational Vehicle uh, Council. So if you have questions or comments, please give us a call, 812-855-0811, or toll free at 1-877-285-9348. You can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. You can also send questions to the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. Doug, I wanted to ask you about the you know the wild swings in the stock market. I mean, the stock market's been going up, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're getting these. Uh, you know, it hasn't been that long ago that a, a two or three hundred point swing would have been monumental. So, kind of talk to us about the whole stock market culture today. There's so many people that are in the stock market in some way or another with their 401k, and you hear you know people just on the who wouldn't normally talk about this stuff would say, oh, I haven't looked at my 401k for a while. You know, they're kind of nervous about this. What about mm-hmm. these, the volatility? Yeah, I think, I think volatility, like you're talking about, is here to stay. Um, it's one of the things that I've seen over my 22 years in the industry now is that one of the biggest changes I've seen. Um, you know, it used to be that when something happened overseas, it didn't really affect us all that much. But we are such a global economy today in ways that we weren't even, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, you know, I, I, I joke with clients sometimes about, you know, everybody remembers back to when the, the threat of Greece defaulting on their, their loans and or their corporate or I'm sorry, their country debt. And the wild swings that that caused in our, our stock market here, and it, was, it would have been unthinkable 20 years ago that some little country in Europe would have caused the U.S. market to crater like it did. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just, that just speaks to the globalization of, of economics uh, today. And I think that a lot of what we're seeing today is in result – or a lot of result of the, the tariffs and uncertainty. Uh, markets don't like uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And – when when we don't know what to think or what rule what the rules of the game are going to be a year from now, uh, that tends to to cause a little bit of consternation and and not really knowing what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you do see a lot of of movement. The other thing I think that's really affected that is a lot of the algorithmic trading uh, that goes on now. Um, used to be again that it was people making decisions. Um, now a lot of computers will make buy and sell decisions more than people even uh, during the day. And that, that can cause volatility. Okay. I want to go back to some of the, uh, some of the policy issues and I guess some of the statistics and, and both Mike Hicks and Bill Whitty, I think, can address these. And that has to do with what's happened with, uh, you know, in, we talk about consumer spending and consumer spending is good, but what's happened with personal income? It, has, it, has it lagged a lot of the other indicators in the economy, Bill? Well, personal income has been growing pretty well. Um, not um, not extraordinarily well, but pretty well. It's holding up, and and that's that's a, what you'd expect with employment strong, and and we are seeing wage increases. One of the things that happened recently is that the Bureau of Economic Analysis, which produces all this data, went back and revised their income data, and they. They changed the the growth rates of things like wages and salaries, pushed it up significantly over the last year and a half or two years. So it looks a little better than we thought it did. Um, We're not seeing productivity increases like you would expect. They've been a little better again in the last year or year and a half, two years maybe, but during most of this recovery, which is now incidentally the longest ever – we're at 122 months and counting. Um, productivity increases during most of that recovery were were really pretty dismal, and that's crucial if the economy is going to have uh, 
relatively good growth, we have to have productivity increases. And I mentioned earlier that the fact that business investment is weak is a, a troublesome sign there. Um, and those productivity increases are ultimately a source of income increases. Mm-hmm. How do and how I guess uh, for both of you, I'll go to Mike Hicks first. So, how does Indiana rank compared to the rest of the nation? We talk about you know personal incomes doing pretty well. Is Indiana keeping pace in these things? No, no sadly, we're actually growing more slowly than the nation as a whole. If you, we, we shouldn't su- surprise us if you look at the composition of our labor force from the last quarter before the 2007 recession started through the most recent data that we have. Um, you know, we've actually shrunk the share of our workforce that has college degrees. We've increased the share of our workforce that has less than a high school degree. And the nation's done the reverse, substantially. Um, and so we're actually diverging uh, away from the national uh, level. And, and I think the employment growth ending in the past few months here since March in both overall and then January in manufacturing is you know, likely uh, affecting the lower wage workers more. I mean, we're seeing layoffs that are the data are too early to tell for sure, but I suspect they're happening in the lower productivity uh, type manufacturing sectors, and that's where you sort of cut first. Or uh, if you're hoping for automation or productivity growth in those areas, that's the workforce that you target first. So we just have not kept up, and I think that's a you know, we rank about 40th, 38th to 40th, and uh, we're, we're way down from having been above the national average a half century ago. It's a, it's a slow-moving relative thing. Although that being said, we are doing better, just relatively worse. So, uh, as Bill said, the consumer spending and income has been the bright spot right now uh, over the past 18, 24 months in particular. The only worrisome uh, indicator that I have in this is the composition of spending. So we look at the first six months of 2018 versus the two first six months of 2019. Uh, households are spending a ton less on the substantial declines in um, consumer durables associated with housing and and, and uh, purchase of new housing and and uh, those sorts of things. You know, purchasing at Lowe's and Home Depot, and they're spending more money on automobiles despite the fact that automobiles numbers of sales are down. So we think that's probably a, a tariff effect, uh, uh, but it may also just be that households at the lower end are sort of. Uh, bought all the cars they can without better financing opportunities, which have been tighter as interest rates rose over the past uh, 18 months up until just recently. Just to get a, a definition, so how would you define durable goods? Well, durable goods are things that we buy that they're going to last for about three years. There's a formal definition. So think about washers and dryers, consumer electronics and automobiles. And then the non-durable goods are food and clothing that we consume in a much shorter period. Okay. If you want to join our program today, give us a call at 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send questions about the economy or uh, if there's going to be a recession to news at indianapublicmedia.org. And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So, you know, we sort of jumped off on this Indiana versus the rest of the economy um, idea, and I wanted to ask Ron to talk about the RV industry and, you know, what, what does the RV industry, where does it sort of rank in terms of Indiana industries, and how does it affect the overall state state um, economy? Well, it's one of the largest uh, employers and largest uh, economic impact uh, on the state. For example, uh, the latest statistics out of the RV Industry Association, our national group, uh, has Indiana receiving $32.4 billion in annual economic impact to the Hoosier state. Uh, we employ over 126,000 Hoosiers, uh, so we're, we're very significant. And when you look at things nationally, you know, there are 25 million people in America that go RVing to go camping, hiking, fishing, canoeing, all of those things, um, and that that's significant. And if you add all that together, that's a $114 billion impact on the U.S. economy from that industry. And in terms of numbers, it's easy for me to say, well, we make 83% of all the RVs. Well, how many is that? Well, uh, in Indiana, that, that means that about 385,000 RVs uh, are produced in our state each year. That's more than 1,000 RVs a day 
rolling out of our factories in northern Indiana. Mm-hmm. So we've been talking about this, and you know, a lot of you, I mean, I guess basically every one of you on the panel seems more upbeat and optimistic than maybe the uh, news reports and, and what's going on in the media. And I guess I really wanted to ask about the, you know, if people start talking about a recession, is that going to drive us toward one? Doug? Maybe. Um, the the thing you've always got to remember about the news, and, you know, those of you that are older will remember this on the nightly news, if it bleeds, it leads. Um, and that is, that really is the driver of news today. You have to remember it's the entertainment industry. And if they come out and say, you know, the yield curve just inverted for a couple of days, we don't really think it's a big deal. Um, your long-term plan shouldn't really be affected. Everybody turns the TV off, right? If they come out and say, oh, no, the sky is falling, look out. Every past recession in history has been predicated by this and tune in in an hour and we'll have experts on to talk about it. Everybody tunes in in an hour. Um, and so you've got to actually think critically about the news industry and the, the news media and what are they doing, what are they selling, and why are, why are they going to have drastic opinions? It's because drastic opinions are what attract people. Um, you get three people, four people on a panel that all agree, and um, it's not, not as compelling, right? Um, so, yeah, you, you have to keep that in mind. Yeah. Well, I, you know, we got all four of you together, so I hope we're doing our, our part. There we go. Yeah. Anybody else want to comment on that, Bill? Um, well, you know, the, if you look at, look at the, again, the households in, in, in the United States and consumer confidence, uh, it, it's at close to record highs. And, and, and it hasn't been falling off. It actually has gone up in the last three months or so. Um, which, which I think says part, two things. One, one is it says that the underlying conditions for households are still pretty good. And the second thing I think it says is that households have done what Doug was just saying. They've tuned out a lot of this stuff that comes in the, over the media. You know, they say, well, these guys don't know what they're talking about. I just got, you know, uh, my cousin just got a great new job and, and with, with higher pay. And, and uh, you know, I, I just refinanced my mortgage, and it's, it's, it's a rate that I, is lower than anything I've ever heard of. Um, and... And I think that that's more important. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, the continuous drip, drip, drip can have an effect. You know, we're back in the, in the world of the 1930s. We have nothing to fear, but fear itself may be, may be relevant again. Yeah. Doug? Um, you know, what Dr. Wood was just saying there really is true. Um, but we also have to keep in mind, after the yield curve inversion, which we talked about earlier in the show, the average recession follows that yield curve inversion by 22 months. Um, so this is a long-term um, in-the-future indicator. Again, that's not a prediction. That's the average. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, what, what we're seeing today is telling us rocky times are coming. The question is – and that's certainly true. I mean, we're, we're seeing the economic slowdown. All of us have been talking about that. The question is how bad will it be? Um, and all of us here, I think, are agreed in saying we don't think it's going to – rise to the level of a recession, probably. Um, None of us know that for sure, but probably. Uh, But that doesn't mean that we aren't slowing down economically, Um, and that certainly is the case. Mike Hicks, do you agree? Yeah, there's no doubt the economy is slowing. It's slowing way down. Its growth was 2.6%, down from almost 3% at the end of 2018. Look, RV sales are monumentally down from a modestly above average level. This isn't an inventory adjustment. It affected every industry. If it is, then, you know, you guys in the RV industry ought to be uh, probed by the Department of Justice Antitrust Division. This is a 30 percent reduction. This is, and, and the RV industry in their release today indicted the tariffs as being part of that. So there are clear policy influences that are turning the economy into a, as I would say, the most likely effect in a recession like this would be to hit the manufacturing sector first in the most sensitive items to incomes and prices. That's happening. We're seeing layoff in steel. We're seeing downturn in automobile production. We're seeing layoffs in automobile production. The RV industry has slowed substantially. Unemployment rate in Elkhart's up a full percentage point from this time last year. And so the, the notion that this is just a blip on the horizon, I think, 
has no merit. And the the yield curve alone is a substantially worrisome indicator, but but right, I don't think that we have the full volume of economic evidence that suggests we're barreling into a recession. But the steepness of the decline over this last year is more than I think anybody predicted. Certainly, my models didn't predict this being at two percent yet. More like two point four, two point five percent at the end of. Uh, the first half of 2018. So now I'm in the uncomfortable position of protecting the or defending the news media. They're right to talk about what are very clear, real, and financial indicators of a slowing domestic economy. Hopefully, it doesn't slow. Uh, terribly, uh, much worse than it is now, but that's th- something that is reasonable to talk about. I'm going to go to Ron first and then Bill, and then we have a phone call. So, Yeah, well, uh, one really interesting thing uh, in talking to my retailer base, uh, they're finding that while the total number of sales are down, the revenue is about the same. Uh, more people are they're selling more diesel pushers, you know, the $100,000, $300,000 units than the, than the travel trailers. So they're they're surviving you know whatever downturn is because the consumer confidence that you all have been talking about it's still there well, so I got to interrupt. So yeah. stocks for Thor Industry are down 50% over a year. Patrick Industry, 32% over a year. So they're making the same revenue, but, they're, but the, the, the folks who are investing and buying stocks disagree with that analysis. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I think it's the, the – I'm hopeful that I'm wrong, but the evidence is extraordinarily clear. There's no 30% adjustment in inventory out there. I mean, we'll be lucky to hit 310,000 RVs made in Indiana in 2019, not 385. Or, so I'm sorry, 485. So, so the, this is a, a real issue that I think merits very close attention across the board. RVs aren't the only thing we ought to be talking about. You know, why is the yield curve maybe not as good indicators in your past? But does that mean it's, it's you know, the, simply the Federal Reserve's inflation indicator is higher than it was out of one of the last three recessions. So there is a bulk of evidence that is warning light. Is it pushing models to, to the turning point? No, no, it's not. But then, you know, nobody was predicting a recession in the fall of 2007 either. Bill Whitty? Um well, I think there are a lot of there are worrisome signs. You know, another one that hasn't been mentioned. I, I do some work with a group that does freight trans uh, freight uh, forecasting on a nationwide basis, and the level of freight moving around the country is flat. It's it hasn't really fallen, but it's flat. It's certainly not growing, um, which is what you'd expect in a growing economy. Um, and and that I've always found that that freight movements are. A, a very good coincident indicator, and you get the data very quickly. You get data from last week, this week. Um, so it suggests to me that the economy is is growing very slowly right now, mm-hmm. um, and, and and in some areas it's clearly not growing. A, a lot of this discussion about Indiana, I've always found that in Indi- Indiana goes as manufacturing goes. Mm-hmm. We are one of the most heavily manufacturing-oriented states in the country, and and the reason we're not keeping up with the nation, which is certainly the case, as Mike was saying earlier, is because um, after a couple of really good years early in the recovery for manufacturing, uh, the, the recovery is basically being driven by services more than manufacturing. And lately, manufacturing is in decline, at least uh, stagnant. Um, and so that means that Indiana is maybe not in decline, but stagnant. All right, we're going to go to the phones, and Michael's on the line. Michael? Hello. hello. Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering if any of you could comment on the interest rate environment as far as interest rates being extraordinarily low historically. Uh, not to be too technical, but when interest rates drop and the Fed lowers interest rates, that's good for asset values. You know, makes stocks go up, makes bonds go up, makes real estate go up. This looks a little artificial to me, especially in parts of the world like Europe where people actually get negative interest rates on government bonds. And it looks to me like, you know, there's a, there's a danger here that if the Federal Reserve ever has to raise interest rates, that this could have a very negative effect on investors, not to mention that those who don't already own stocks and bonds of real estate are having to get in an 
on the game at a much higher prices where they get very little income on their investment. So I'll leave it to you gentlemen to comment on this. All right. Thank you. Um, well, I certainly agree that, that the interest rate situation is, is abnormal from a historical perspective. Um, now, you can suggest some reasons why interest rates are low by historical standards. One is that that the underlying demographic situation in the world mm-hmm. is is shifting, has been shifting for the last 20 years at least, towards more saving and probably less investment. And that's that's a fundamental underlying determinant of what economists call the, the natural rate of interest or the real rate of the uh, underlying real rate of interest, which is after you adjust for inflation. Um, but how big an effect that is is, is problematic. These things are, are impossible to measure because it depends partly on expected inflation. Well, that's out there in the future. We don't know what it's going to be. Um, so there's that. Then there's monetary policy, which I, I said earlier I think is, is uh, very hard to understand. Um, and I'm not sure that the Federal Reserve really knows what they're doing. And the European Central Bank, Central Bank, maybe even less, where, the, as, as the caller said, we, we've, they have now negative interest rates, um, which, which just seems uh, weird. You know, it, it's, it's very hard to wrap your mind around yeah, why people you, yeah, would, yeah. would buy securities where they actually end up paying the, the, the borrower um, for the privilege of holding their bonds. Um, but, but that's what they have, in, you know, in Europe and in Japan. Uh, that, that is the state of affairs. Um, and it, 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 it does produce, you know, it, the, the theory is that if you push interest rates low, people will spend more money because they can borrow so cheaply. Um, but it doesn't seem to be working. And, you know, Japan has been trying this for 20, 30 years now, and it hasn't worked. And Europe's been doing it for at least a, a decade or longer, and it hasn't worked. Um, and the Federal Reserve seems to be headed in the same direction. And I don't think it'll work here either. Mike Hicks, interest rates? Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree on the monetary policy wholly with that. I think the concern uh, that I, we haven't talked about is that we're also in a period of extraordinary fiscal easing, right? So we're going to have a deficit this year of like $1.1 trillion. So that's, you know, bigger really than the 2009 stimulus bill, So, which was, I think, $856 uh, uh, billion dollars at the time. So we're $1.1 trillion this year. It is, and we're still eking out growth that's going to be just, you know, uh, above the level at which we can effectively measure inflation, right? So 2% growth, uh, I always always start my talks by saying between the end of the Second World War to 2007, average growth rate was about 3.5% in the nation. So the every generation, every 30 years or so, we would see the standard of living double. And that is a monumentally different world than the growth rate of 2%, which really implies in a, a 70 or 75-year uh, doubling of the standard of living. So people are are, I think, re- entirely recalibrates the political economy about how we view income and wealth and economic growth. And so economists who are, you know, we're predicting 2% growth this year, maybe just a little bit under or over. That is, in some ways, a catastrophic economic conditions. And so at a particularly the time when we have, you know, breathtaking amount of fiscal stimulus, extraordinarily low interest rates, you know, what are we, what, what is wrong with the economy that is behaving this way? And I'm not sure there is a clear consensus answer. All right. We only have about three minutes to go. So I'm going to, I guess I'm going to ask you not to get political, but we're going to, we're heading into a political season where there are going to be a lot of promises made and a lot of ideas thrown about by various candidates. Which ones should we pay attention to and which ones should we uh, be really wary of? Not candidates, but ideas or thoughts or promises that are going to be made. Doug? Oh, dear. Oh, oh sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say something. Well, uh, you're just you, you just threw a landmine in front of us here, a, a minefield in front of us here. How do we walk through it without blowing ourselves up? Um, I think you've got to be very wary of ideas that borrow from the future to give us things today. Um, 
you know, it's one of the things that Mike was just talking about, you know, Dr. Hughes was just talking about, what is the ballooning of the deficit um, spending without any commensurate where is where is it coming from? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's and both that's both parties. That neither party has a has a uh, monopoly on that. So be wary of that. Be wary of. Um, I don't know anybody uh, else. Yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll go to if anybody trade, else wants to win trade policy. Uh-huh. I think you have to pay attention to pay to uh, trade policy tariffs. Um, how that's going to play in what the what their positions are going to be. I think that's going to be critical. Mike? Yeah, I would agree. They're really critical for us to think about how the integrity of our national security and economic policies. Can you believe what's coming out of the White House? And just the end of protectionism, it is just depriving us of the capacity to grow and affect foreign affairs. Bill, what do you last 30 seconds? Um, I guess I agree with the other three here that, that trade is an important consideration. I think, you know, it probably won't come up much, but Discussions of monetary policy and, and how the, the people approach that uh, are interesting, but it's very hard to know what will be made of that. Um, and I think that the discussion of, of budget policy, the, the size of the deficits is very troublesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if interest rates do happen to head higher, the situation just gets so much worse because we've piled up all this debt, and then we start. And right now, we're financing it at very low rates. But if rates go up, it gets much worse. So, that's a okay. long run. That's a huge problem. All right, sorry for that landmine, but thanks. You did very well, all of you. Okay, so I want to thank our guests today: Mike Hicks, Bill Witte, Doug uh, Ummel, and Ron Brymeyer for our producer Benta Boutier, engineer Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU Public Radio. A podcast of this program and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville, fiber internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And the Herald Times, featuring coverage of local news, entertainment, and sports. In print at heraldtimesonline.com and on your mobile device. And the Bloomington Health Foundation, this September hosting the 20th running of Hoosiers Outrun Cancer, a 5K run-slash-walk supporting those in the community facing a cancer diagnosis. Registration and more at hoosiersoutruncancer.org.